Um, when you throw the flag, you, you, what you're doing is that you're, you're, you're calling out those things that stop our spiritual momentum and stop our spiritual growth. Now, if you've ever watched a sport, you know that you're in the middle of, of, of uh, gameplay, and then all of a sudden the whistle blows, the flag comes out, the card gets held up, if it's soccer, whatever's going on, and it stops the game, it stops the momentum. And for many of you, I, I know that you felt that feeling of taking two steps forward and one step back in your spiritual walk, right? Where, where you're like, yeah, everything's going good, then all of a sudden your momentum gets stopped, gets stopped. and so that's why we're going to call out some of these penalties, Okay, so that you can see these are things that stop my momentum. So what we're doing this morning is offside, offside. Now, when I was researching for this, I always thought the call was offsides, right? Oh, he's offsides. And, but then I realized it's actually called offside. The only offsides there is is in hockey, and I'm like, hockey. So <laughs> hockey. So in football, it's actually called offside, okay? Now, let me explain what that is. Offside in football is when a player lines up on the other team's side, okay? So, hey, Ben, come here for a second. Will you, will you illustrate this for me? So come stand up here and face me this way. <clears throat> so if, we're, if, 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 if I'm on one team, Ben's on another team, all right? We have what's called in between us a line of scrimmage, okay? And so this is kind of a neutral zone where I'm on my side, right, and Ben's on his side. Now, when offside in football is called is when I do this. I'm lined up on his side, right? You wouldn't expect, you know, if any of you watches some NFL this afternoon, you wouldn't expect two opposing teams to be like this, would you? No, you wouldn't. They're facing each other, um, and, and i, I, I got to stay out of his business. <laughs> you know, i got to stay on my side, or it would be offside. Cool? Thank you. you did a great job standing here. Winning teams. The winning teams. Awesome. So that's what offside is. Do you, you understand what that is in, in, in football? Okay. In the kingdom... Now, I'm going to explain this. In the kingdom, offside is when you are righteous but not holy. I'm going to explain that in a second. I know we got two religious terms, and you're like, wait, righteous? I thought those were the same thing. They're not. They're not. Being offside, it's all going to make sense in a minute, are when you are righteous but not holy. So in order to explain this, I need to, I need to explain what these two words mean. First of all, righteous is the state of being um, an acceptable condition to God. In having God's approval. You are righteous when you are in acceptable condition to God. Have you ever um, bought something and it, it, you, like, it was shipped to you? Maybe you bought it online and it was shipped to you. And then you're like, this is like it was broken in transit. And you're like, this is not acceptable to me. Like this condition, I paid for a fully working, non-broken, non-broken item, right? And so you send it back, right? Because it wasn't in acceptable condition. Um, it, it didn't meet your approval, right? But when you are righteous, when you are righteous, it doesn't mean being right. Being righteous means that you are in acceptable condition to the Lord, that you have his approval. Now, for many of us, we grew up in church or we grew up in a, in a religious tradition where we felt like in order to be accepted by God, to be in the right condition, and to have God's approval, we had to act really, really, really good. Right? Many of us, you better act good. Now, they would talk about grace, they would talk about love, they talk about mercy, but in reality, when it boiled down to it, it was all based on how you acted. 
And that's the message many of us got growing up in church circles was you better act right. That faith in Jesus is okay, but you better act right. But, but what I want to show you is, is that true biblical righteousness doesn't have anything to do with how you act. Now, I know that makes some of you scared, but just hold on. We'll get to there's another word we're going to define in a moment. Okay? But, but I need you to, to, to take the religious blinders off for a little bit and listen to what the word of God itself says. So let's read about righteousness. We'll turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, we're going to read 22 and 24. Now, many of you are familiar with Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? We memorize that. It's part of what's known as the Romans Road. Um, and we're pretty familiar. But I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. I'm going to read that verse in context. That means with other verses surrounded. So it doesn't just become a soundbite, but, it, but it, it, you, know, you actually get what the author's trying to say here. Romans 3, 22 through 24 says this. We are made right with God. That's That word, by the way, when it says made right with God in the New Living, it's we are made righteous. This is what it says in the New King James, the King James. So here's the word righteous. We are made righteous. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Okay, so it doesn't matter your religious background, it doesn't matter your religious heritage, it doesn't matter if you've got a whole line of preachers in your family history, or if you've got a whole bunch of drug dealers in your family history, it doesn't matter. The way you become righteous is, is through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it said, right? This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, verse 24, yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. See, God declared, when you believe in Jesus, God says, okay, that one is righteous. They are now acceptable to me. They are now in good condition. Why, because of what you've done? No, because of who you know. So true righteousness is not based on what you do. It's based on who you know. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, you can turn there later for the sake of time, but it says, For he, the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness, there's that word righteousness, Of God in him, him being Jesus. Do you follow? So the Father placed our sin upon Jesus and and placed Jesus' righteousness upon us. This is a concept, the theological concept here, it's called imputed righteousness. Imputed. It's just a fancy word that means attributed or assigned or credited or allocated. You see, you've been assigned righteousness by the Father when you believe in Jesus. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You're like, but, but Lord, I, I mess up all the time. You know this. You hear my thoughts. I mean, come on, Lord. He's like, no, no, no. I've declared you righteous. I've declared it. See, you, you have been given righteousness without any help from yourself. All you did is believe in Jesus. Do y'all remember that famous, um, that famous episode of Oprah when she gave away a car? She was like, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. And everyone was like, ah! 
and freaking out? That's what the Father did through Jesus. We're seeing it in his presence. He goes, you get righteousness, you get righteousness, you get righteousness, and you get righteousness. And we're like, yeah! That's awesome, because I couldn't have afforded righteousness on my own. Right? So you get righteousness. It's been conferred on you. It's been imputed to you. It's just been assigned to you. Okay? If you believe in Jesus, you are righteous. Now, 2 Timothy 2.22 says pursue righteousness. Well, wait a minute. If we're given righteousness apart from our works, if we're given righteousness regardless of how we act, how do you pursue righteousness? It's easy. You pursue righteousness by pursuing the one who is righteous. If you want to be more righteous, you get close to the righteous one. You draw near to him, okay? So since God has called us righteous, we're on his team. We've been, we're wearing the jersey. Our name is on the roster, right? I used to always lie about my weight whenever, uh, when I played football, and they, they list like on the roster your height and your, and your weight, right? And when I was in high school, I'd lie and I'd make myself weigh more than I really did because I wanted to be intimidating. I wanted that guy who was playing across from me to look at the guy and say, whoa, now I really want to lie in the other direction, all right? I'm like, what was I thinking, right? Now my driver's license is maybe a little lower than is true. But our name's on the roster. We are officially on Team Jesus. We're accepted and we're approved by him. Because you have faith in Jesus. It's not because of your works. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So you're on his team. You're on his team. And you, if you believe in Jesus, you are righteous. Now remember, offside needs to be called when you're righteous, but not Holy. So let's talk about what holy means. Being holy is the state of being consecrated, set apart, and other than. Consecrated, set apart, and other than. That's what the word holy means. Now, consecrated is like a religious word. But basically, it just means set apart. It just means it's been designated for only for a specific reason or for a specific person. All right. You know, those of you with kids, I, you know, Tiff is really nice. My wife, she's very merciful. And my kids would be bored uh, and they'd be like, hey, dad, can I play on your phone? No. Because I don't want your nasty bacon grease, kitty, dirty hands that's been picking your nose. I just watched you do it. Holding my phone and swiping you know, on stuff and getting all, and every single time I got my phone back from my kids, it was like all crusty and nasty. I'm like, and finally I was like, guess what? My phone, it's holy. It's set apart unto me. All right. Not unto my kids. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Another father. He's like, yeah. But Tiff, so nice. She, she lets them borrow their phone and it's get all nasty and pizza and spaghetti sauce and stuff. So I, I decided years ago, I love my children. But you ain't touching my phone because your fingers are gross, okay? So my phone is set apart. It's holy unto me. That's what the word means, all right? It, it also means other than, you know, when we, when we say, God, you are holy, you are holy, what are we saying? We're saying, God, you are unlike anything or anyone else. Whenever we try to describe you with our, with our language, with adjectives, with nouns, it, it's not enough because you are unlike anything else that we could say. You're set apart. You're consecrated and you're holy. So do you, do you see what holy means? 
Okay? So, so let's look. Let's look at this. See, being holy, holiness, let me put it this way. Holiness is righteousness in action. See, when someone understands that they're righteous, they've been approved and they're on the team, then they start to act like it. Now we're seeing holiness. Does that make sense? Holiness is living in agreement with God's approval. Well, you say, God's accepted me. He said that I'm clean. He said that I'm free. And so now I'm just going to believe it. And I'm going to act like a righteous person would act. Even though it was just credited to me, even though it was just imputed to me, and God's righteousness was given to me apart from my works, I am now going to show works evidence of this righteousness, and we call it holiness. Do you see how that works? See, so many churches, so many, we grew up, they got, they got the cart before the horse. We tried to teach holiness before people understood righteousness. We tried to say act right before they were empowered to act right. Look at, let's look at 1 Peter. We'll look at some scriptures here. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read 14 through 16. It says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. Then he quotes an Old Testament verse for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Holiness is not something you have to strive for. You have to really white-knuckle it and make it happen, right? Holiness is the natural result of understanding your righteous identity. Let's go back to the sports analogy. If, if, if my team, it's, it's time for us to be on, on offense, right? Someone who understands that they're on the team and they're playing offense right now, I shouldn't have to tell them to get off of the defensive side of the ball, Right? I mean, if I'm on offense, I should line up, know my play, and I shouldn't be thinking, don't play defense, don't play defense, don't play defense. Right? Why? Because I know I'm on offense. I know what my role is. I know who I am. I know the color jersey I'm wearing. It's a different color than the other teams. Okay? And so I don't have to try super, super hard. You just believe you're on the team, and therefore you act like someone who is on the team. You put your righteousness to work, and that's called Holiness, because you're set apart. You're set apart. Let's look at um, 1 John. 1 John chapter 3, 9 and 10. It says this. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. And, and, and don't, don't let sinning... Sinning is just doing something wrong, messing up. Whether intentional or by mistake, doing the wrong thing. Jumping off sides, right? Interference. Anything, anything wrong, okay? So those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Why? Because God's life is in them. One, one, one version says God's seed is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. You can't play defense because you're on offense. You can't do both at the same time, right? So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously, there's that word righteous again, 
uh, and does not love other believers, doesn't belong to God. Look, it's not, it's not about deciding who's out and who's in. It's about saying, look, what, what team are you on? Imagine if your favorite team is, is playing their, your favorite sport, whatever that is, and they're, they're, all of a sudden they just switch sides and start playing against the team. They still got the, the jersey on, they, but, but they're playing. It's, it's like, okay, well, they're not, I guess they're not on the team. They don't get it, right? Does that, does that make sense? It's the same thing in our walk with Christ. It's not about trying to control ourselves into somehow conforming to a religious standard. It's if you will simply understand your righteousness as it pertains to your relationship with Jesus, it's not going to be a big issue. It's not going to be a big issue. Now, notice it doesn't say those who, um, those who have been born into God's family never sin. Don't say that, does it? If someone, if someone uh, you know, it's, it's uh, called false start on the line. If someone jumps up during a football game before the, the, the ball is snapped, they do a false snort, start. Are they kicked off the team? No. They made a mistake, right? Now, eventually, if they don't correct it, they're going to get benched, right? Any good coach would do that and say, evidently, you need more training. But, but so it doesn't say anyone who sins, uh, if you've been born to God's family, you won't sin. It says... Anyone who's been born into God's family does not make a practice of sinning. There's a big difference. People, people come to me and they're like, you know, I, you know, I'm struggling with this issue. For me, it's all about how do you feel about your sin. We all sin. We already read it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That was Romans 3.23. The question for me, for your spiritual health, your spiritual checkup, is how do you feel about that? If you're okay with that, well, hey, you know, I sin sometimes, it's no big deal, God loves me, the blood of Christ cleanses me. We've got a problem because, because your heart isn't in the right place, okay? But if you come to me and you're like, yeah, I'm struggling with this, and man, I just, I really want freedom from this. Will you pray for me? Will you help me? Will you instruct me? We're, we're good. Even though you've done something wrong, we're good. Because your heart is not practicing sin, therefore, it's showing me that you understand what team you're on. All right, let's look at Hebrews 12, 14. Hebrews 12, 14. It says this. Work at living at peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Here's the holiness, right? Here, living a holy, set-apart, consecrated, other-than life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Whoa. Now, see, some people have taken this verse, and they said, see, if you cuss, then you're going to hell. Hell. Right? right. I mean, come on. Some of you have grown up in that tradition where everything is all about hell. You know, you're going to hell. And they, got, they say, hey, yola. It's three syllables. Hey, yola. Three syllables. That's when you know it's serious. Look, it's a lot easier than that. It, it, it's not about being perfect so God rewards you for your actions. We've already discovered that the righteousness, and this is the righteousness that gets us in. It gets us on the team. We're in the jersey on the roster. Okay? It was conferred to us. It was given to us. It was credited to us when we believed on Jesus. Right? Okay. So now we're talking about learning how to play the game without mistakes. Now, it just makes sense you don't get invited to the championship party if you're not on the winning team. Right? Now, if someone, you know, did several fouls or made several mistakes during the, during the play of the game and they still won, it's not like, uh, you're out, you're out. It's not, it's not about that. 
See, Jesus is the winning team. And even if you've messed up, even if you're struggling with the sin, it doesn't make the sin okay, but it just means that you're still on the right team. Okay? And you're still invited to the championship party. We're just going to call it heaven. Does that make sense? And people choose either a greasy grace where you can do whatever you want to, or they choose like this hyper-holiness where your salvation is somehow based on your works. And again, your, sal- your righteousness, what gets you on the team, it came from Jesus when you believed in him. Amen? Look, making mistakes is okay. Playing for the other team is not. Isn't that easy? Isn't that simple? So if, if you made a commitment to Christ years ago, and you're like, ah, I've been messing up, I'm struggling, I've, I've, I've been in an addiction, I've, I've, I haven't placed Jesus you know, at, at the top, and, and because of that, I'm struggling. Look, I first of all, if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you're on the team. Now, it sounds to me like you might need to be benched for a little bit and get some more training because you don't understand what team you're on and how to play the game. But it doesn't mean that God's like, ah, they go to Hayola. Right? It's, 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 it's not like that. So my question to you is this, as we wrap up. Are you offside? Many of you are believers. Many of you know Jesus. But you're, you're doing stuff playing for the other team. And if so, we got to throw the flag this morning. And we got to say, look, to be righteous and not be holy doesn't make sense. It hurts you. And it hurts the kingdom. It hurts the gameplay. And many of you right now are under conviction. You're like, man, i got to get my life right. You do. You need to get your life right. Because Jesus has a, a goal. He, he's got, there's an end to this game eventually. And, and he's already determined. It's been settled. He's going to win the game. But you have an important role to play. You have a really important role to play. And we need players who know who they are in Christ, who understand their righteousness comes from believing in Jesus, who can then act holy in light of that. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.